Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Fourth of July. Yep, um, <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, my name is Matt. Um, I am the lead pastor here, and Josh uh, was in the drum cage this morning and um, provided the fireworks for himself. Um, <laughs> I couldn't resist. That's where is he? I, but yeah, praise God. Thank you, worship team. That was that was some fireworks this morning. How do you follow that? So. Love it. Love it. So good stuff. I should probably grab some notes or it's going to get wild. Um, so this is our last message on Romans. Um, it's taken us 30 uh, sermons, 30 messages spanning over uh, nine months um, with some breaks in there. And we easily could have done it uh, in double that or triple that and, and not done it justice. It's, the book of Romans is so rich and beautiful. So I encourage you to continue to just dive into Romans for yourself, but uh, after this, next week, we're going to move on to everyone's favorite book of the Bible, Numbers. No? <laughs> oh, we got some, Dave loves Numbers. Okay, great. Um, yes, there's, there's, you know, there's a census, there's names, there's laws, but we're going to actually focus in on the stories, which are actually pretty crazy. Um, so we're going to see rebellion, we're going to see complaining, we're going to see some miracles, we're going to see more complaining, we're going to see some deadly snakes, we're going to see more complaining, um, we're going we're gonna to see some pagan curses, and then some more complaining, and then we're going to see God's judgment, complaining, God's mercy, complaining, and uh, then some more complaining after that. Uh, so we've entitled it Numbers Grappling with Grumbling. So if, if you struggle with complaining like I do on occasion, um, it will be good for you and for us. And the stories are just incredible. Um, and and it actually referenced in the New Testament by Jesus a lot. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at, at, at uh, um, the depth and, and, and just the fun Numbers is. So um, excited for that. But uh, Today, I just wanted to give you a recap of Romans. If you, if you haven't been here, or if you have, and you just kind of want a succinct recap of the book of Romans, here it is for you. You can throw that up on the screen. And we have that, yeah, perfect. So Romans chapter 1 through 3, this is super condensed version of this, but here's what we saw. So in Romans 1 through 3, we're all terribly sinful and selfish by nature, and because of that, we are rightfully under God's just wrath. And then Romans 4 and 5, the only way to get right with God and before God is to be justified, just as if we've never sinned, is to have faith, to trust in Jesus Christ and his work for us. And then we saw in Romans 6 that our identity, once we trust in him, is no longer found in our sin. And then in Romans 7, we found that our identity isn't found in the law or in the rules. And then in Romans 8, we saw that our identity is found in Jesus through the work and person of the Holy Spirit. And then we went to Romans 9. And Romans 9 essentially says, hey, be assured of your salvation. Be 100% assured of your salvation because of God's mercy. And then Romans 10, we have that mercy because it's received by faith, by us trusting him. And then Romans 11 Hey, but don't take that for granted. Yes, be 100% sure, but don't take that for granted. Cherish it. Enjoy it. And then Romans 12, live sacrificially. Live sacrificial lives. And that's the theme throughout the rest of the book. So we saw in Romans 13, we need to live sacrificially by submitting to governing authorities, especially when, when we don't want to or it's hard. And then Romans 14, live sacrificially by loving church family members that we disagree with. Whew, that's tough. Romans 15, 
live sacrificially by relationally making disciples, helping other people follow Jesus. And then today, Romans 16, live sacrificially by obeying God. But all of that, all the the end of Romans is based in the gospel message that Jesus Christ came, died, rose from the dead, and that's what empowers us to live a sacrificial life. So there's all of Romans. Now, let's dive into our section for today. We're going to be looking at Romans 16, 19 to 27. So let's, let's start with verse 19. If you have that in your apps or in your Bibles, open up Romans 19. And obedience is the theme here today. Romans 16, 19. It says, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Obey. Obedience. This is incredible. Paul's writing this to the Roman church, and they had a reputation of being obedient. I mean, what a reputation for a church. Of all the things to be known for, you're known for obedience to God. And it makes me think, man, is that my reputation? Is that your reputation? Is that our reputation as a church that our obedience is known to all? What a, what a high calling that is. Obedience is known to everyone. That's what we need to be known for, like the Roman church. But then he adds this line at the end. He says, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. He's saying, be wise and, and, and don't be gullible. Be obedient to God, but, but be careful with obedience to others. Be wise, but don't be obedient to a fault to others. Don't be a, a yes man, so to speak. Um, Jesus said something sim- similar in Matthew 10, 16. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's sending out his disciples. And he says, but be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Wise as serpents, innocent as doves. So he's saying, you guys are doing great at being obedient, but don't just, don't just go like little lost puppies and, yeah, I'll do whatever, you know. No, pay attention. Be, be wise with your obedience. But obedience is a tall order, and it requires lots of help. So he, Paul, it's interesting, he then shifts for the rest of this chapter and just focuses in on God. And so I want to apply this this morning on how we can grow in our obedience, how our obedience can be made known to all. And the way we do that is by focusing in on God. How can we obey? We focus on God. Paul doesn't key in on any fancy tricks on how to be obedient. He actually just keys in on God himself. He's the focus. He's the key. So you're all probably wondering what this ladder is about here. Um, it does have a purpose, and uh, let's see, Corwin, can you come up here for a second? Um, I just don't want to fall. Um, so I'm deathly afraid, not, maybe not deathly, I'm pretty afraid of heights, so you can pray for me as I go up this. I just need you to hold it nice and steady. Um, but, so here's what I think we do a lot with obedience to God. We go, you know what, I really struggle with lying um, so I just, I'm not going to lie. So um, you're going up the ladder, and let's say I have to fix that light up there, okay? Change out the light bulb. Not a hard task. Maybe for not a handyman like me it is. But um, as you're going up, you know, if I'm just going up going, 
you know, please just don't fall. Don't fall. Whatever you do, don't fall to the ground. Whatever you do, don't miss, don't miss a step and fall. Don't, don't fall. I'm gonna, it's, it's not going to go well for me. I'm not going to fix that light. I'm not going to be able to change that out very well. I actually am very nervous, so I'm going to come down. But, um, but uh, you, guys, you guys get the point. Thanks, Corwin. Um, <laughs> um, but if you, just, if you just focus on the ground and falling the whole time, that, you know, the project isn't going to go very well. But if we, if we put our eyes on Jesus with obedience, here's where I'm going with this. If we focus on the light, if I focus on Jesus when I'm trying to obey, I've got way better shot of actually obeying than if I'm just going, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't get, don't get mad, be really, you know, be really patient, be really patient, come on, be patient, Matt, you know, it doesn't work out. But if I go, Jesus, Jesus, you're right here with me. Jesus, you're strengthening me. Jesus, you, you are the king of the universe and you gave everything for me. If we focus in on the light, then it becomes a lot easier to obey than if we just focus on our sin and temptation. So how can we obey God? We focus in on God. So let's look at verse 20. It says, the God of peace. We'll get to him crushing Satan in a second. But the God of peace. Peace means shalom. That's the, that's the, the Hebrew word for peace. And it just means the way things should be. The way things should be. We already saw in Romans 15, Paul said, may the God of peace be with you all. The fact that he is with us and one day he's going to make everything the way it should be helps us obey. Obedience is actually the way things should be. Focusing in on God, focusing in on the light and his peaceful presence and his peaceful nature empowers us to live the way we should be, to live the way it should be. So something I've been doing in regards to God's peace lately just to focus in on him and the way things should be, focusing in on his peace, is by taking a couple minutes of silence before I, before I open up my Bible and read. And then, and then afterwards, doing that as well. And you know what it's done? It's helped, me, it's helped me just put the clutter of my mind and the worries of the day and of the world behind me. So that when I actually open up his word... I'm focused. I'm not just reading words on a page anymore. This is God's word speaking to me. And, and, and it's really changed the ballgame for me. And it's helped me actually have relationship instead of just duty with the Lord. So um, experience God's peace. Enjoy his peace. And when we do that, obedience will flow. How else can we obey God? It says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Amen. How can we obey? We do it because God is fighting for us as we just sang. Hey, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. You know what this is talking about as I studied this? It's not actually talking about judgment day one day when Satan will be destroyed. That is going to happen. Okay, But this verse is actually talking about victory over Satan here and now. See, we can have victory. We can, we can obey God. It's actually possible. God himself will crush the serpent under our feet. 
We sang it today. The battle belongs to who? To me? No, it doesn't belong to me. The battle belongs to the Lord. I just submit myself to him. And he crushes the enemy. He crushes that temptation. He crushes that fear and anxiety. He crushes whatever's in our way as we trust in him. See, God rushes in in our lives with a, with a song at just the right time, a call from a friend, a, a scripture, a, a sense of his presence, and it crushes the devil's temptations and lies right underneath our feet. Uh, a few months ago, um, you know, we, we just, we all had a year, right? COVID. Um, I, I haven't really run into anyone who had a super great year. Um, if you did, fantastic. More power to you. But um, I was just having a day where I was just feeling kind of down and, and feeling like my efforts to serve the Lord and other people were, were useless and pointless. I was just starting to believe these lies from Satan. And a friend called me, and, and he thanked me for inviting his friend um, to Connection Group. And he said, man, that means a lot. And then he ended the call by going, hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. You know what happened in that moment? The God of peace crushed Satan underneath my feet. The rest of that day, you better believe that put wind in my sails to this day. Because it's like, no, that's, that's not of the Lord. This is what's of the Lord. He he wants me to put my hope and my trust in him because guess what? He is not done with me. He's, I'm still here. I'm still breathing. He's got, he's got things for me, good works, it says in Ephesians 2, for me to walk in today. It's not useless. It's not pointless. And I needed that friend to help remind me of that. So God does this in real tangible ways in our lives if we just pay attention. We need to stop focusing in on the snake on Satan, and focus in on the snake crusher. He, he, as we sing sometimes, is roaring with power and fighting our battles. Next, how can we obey? By focusing in on God's grace. The end of verse 20, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now, Paul uses this, this ending, this greeting of sorts, all the time in his, in his letters. But let's just unpack it a little bit. It, it has a lot of meaning. So grace means unearned favor. Unearned favor. Think of all the unearned favor we have received from Jesus. He's just pouring it out all the time. I mean, it's, it's, think about it. You have oxygen to breathe right now. That is, that is the grace of God. We have food to eat. We have relationships to enjoy with one another. We have, we have sin that's completely forgiven and taken care of. Jesus' love and presence is with us all the time. We have 100% assurance and security of heaven with Jesus forever. We have a church family to lean on when things are difficult and when things are great. And on and on and on and on and on. I could just keep going thousands and thousands of reasons. God's grace, his unearned favor is just overflowing in our lives, even when it seems like it's not. When we're focusing in on the unearned favor and blessings, the grace from Jesus, it's actually pretty hard to live ungratefully and disobedient to Jesus. If you focus in on the thousands of things Jesus has given you instead of the one or two things that he hasn't given you, which, by the way, probably is grace from him, okay? But that's, that's another sermon for a different day. But if we just focus in on the thousands of blessings he's given us, even when our world is crumbling, it seems, we can find hope. We can find 
the grace of God and find the strength to obey. It it reminds me, of course, of Pizza Ranch, because what doesn't remind me of Pizza Ranch? Um, Right, so Pizza Ranch Buffet, or any buffet, pick your, you know, old country buffet. I don't even know if that exists anymore. I think they're going out of style, but whatever. Um, Pick your favorite buffet. You walk in, and, and what do we tend to do, right? What do my kids tend to do? What do I tend to do? We complain about the one or two things that aren't there today. Where's the cactus bread? Okay, that's why it came. Where, where are the chicken legs? All they got is the thighs today. What's going on, right? We just focus in on those one or two things that aren't there. But if instead, I just enjoyed the hundreds, probably literally at Pizza Ranch, of things that are there, I would really enjoy my lunch or my supper. See, when we focus in on the countless graces and blessings of Jesus that he's given to us, it, it helps us take the focus off of what we don't have. And it produces greater obedience, greater joy, greater gratefulness in our lives. How else can we obey? Focus in on God's people. Verses 21 to 23 here. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater. My kinsmen, that is a fun one. Uh, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus, greet you. So Timothy, we know, Timothy was Paul's right-hand man as he planted churches. And Paul wrote the books of First and Second Timothy to him as he was leading a church. But the rest of these people are actually unknown. There's speculation. Maybe it's this person from Acts or this person from other books of the Bible. We, don't, we just don't know who these people are, really. Tertius, apparently, um, was Paul's scribe for writing the, the book of Romans. Still, uh, still very much Paul's words. But he must have just been telling him, hey, write this now, write this now. So he did. Uh, maybe Paul wasn't uh, uh, had very good penmanship or something, who knows. But he's having Tertius write it out for him. But we don't really know who these people are. But the point here, though, isn't who these people are. It's that there was a lot of people that cared about the Roman church. All of these people are like, hey, Paul, hey, make sure you include me. I really want them to know that I love them and care about them. But I want you to think about it like this. How many more people were in Paul's corner? If that many people were going to Paul, hey, greet the Romans for me, love on the Romans for me, how many more people did Paul have in his life rooting for him, holding him accountable, encouraging him? Obeying and living for Christ truly is a community project. You need people encouraging you and and challenging you to obey Jesus, reminding you of truth and encouraging you when you're down, asking you hard, penetrating questions in love. I I want us to all say this together, okay? I cannot do this alone. Let's go. One, two, three. I cannot do this alone. We can't. You can't. You can't do it alone. Who have you invited into your corner? Like Paul clearly invited these people and more into his corner. See, people need an invitation. Think of it like this. If, I, if I'm building a play set for my kids, and I go out and my, I buy the slide and the swings and the lumber, and I throw it all out on my yard, and for me, I'm not very good with a drill, so I'm going to need some help. But if I just set it all out there and go, okay, when are people showing up to help me? 
I'm going to be putting that thing together myself, or at least I'm going to try. It's not going to go very well. No, I need to call people up. Hey, can you help me out? I need some help. And guess what? I probably have a handful of people show up and help me. See, people need an invitation. People can't just know that we want them there in our corner. We have to invite them. And we do that through honesty. We say to people, hey, you know, life's tough right now. I need your help. Or I'm just, I'm really battling this sin right now. I need your help. Can you ask me about it? Can we talk about it? Can you pray for me? Don't wait around for people to just magically appear in your corner. Usually it doesn't work. Invite them in through honesty. Honesty truly is the gateway to change our lives. If you're struggling to obey God, are you being honest with God and with other people? See, God's given you a church family. He's given you people to invite into your corner. So invite them. Take advantage of that. I know it's a leap of faith. You're stepping out. Maybe you've been hurt in the past, but God is calling us. He's saying, this this is how you can experience me and, and relationship with me to the full, by inviting other people into your corner. How else can we obey? Verse 25, God's strength. Now to him who is able to strengthen you. Able to strengthen you. Maybe maybe we're struggling so much to obey because we've tricked ourselves into believing that we can resist and obey on our own strength. I'll, I'll, I'll just try a little harder not to lie and I'll be fine. I won't lie. No, you won't. You won't. If we've learned anything from the book of Romans, we've learned that in our own strength, we just naturally do what's wrong. We disobey and we fail. Romans 3, 10 and 11 says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. See, we don't got this. We're in desperate need of strength. Now, I want you to actually answer, this isn't a rhetorical question, I want you to actually answer this. What's stronger and more powerful, sin or God? Okay, yeah, yeah, good, good, you guys got it. The pastor's asking this question, one of the answers is God, I should probably say God. And you're right, you're absolutely right, you guys got it. Um, But here's the thing, God proved this at the cross, where sin was defeated by God. He trampled sin under his feet. And one day, it's going to be completely done away with. So if God is clearly more powerful than sin, no one's, no one's doubting that here, why do we live like sin is more powerful than God? Oh, I, just, I just couldn't say no to that temptation. Wait a minute. Wait. What about God? Of course you couldn't say no to that temptation, but you could have in his strength. God has become, I think, too small and too weak functionally for us. It's, it's easy to sing. I sing this song to, to my, my uh, boys, my uh, Ian and, and Brandon, my little boys. And, and um, it, I learned it from camp, actually. So it goes, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's... My God can, oh, I'm alone. A couple people know it. There's nothing my God cannot do, but it's easy to sing that to my kids and then turn around and not believe it and live like it's not true. He is strong. He is mighty. He is living within me, roaring like a lion. But do I believe that and tap into that? 
See, these type of phrases need to become like breathing to us. And they will when God is strong in our minds and in our hearts. Phrases like, fill me, empower me, strengthen me, Jesus. I need that, I need that prayer a lot, every day. Fill me, empower me, strengthen me. When, when lust is starting to overpower help, strengthen me, Jesus. When I'm in the heat of rage or, or bitterness is starting to crank up, help, help, empower me. When we're called to, to run and hide and self-medicate with this or that, we go, Jesus, help, strengthen me. See, God is, as the verse says, able to strengthen you. Just ask for it. Just ask for it. Now let's imagine for a second that you live in Boone, and maybe that's true for a lot of you, but you work in Ames, and you have this nice car. Let's throw the car up. All right, this is a Tesla Model 3, okay, and it's all-wheel drive. I had no idea some Teslas are all-wheel drive. I'm not sure how that works. I just think of Subarus when I think, or... Um, all-terrain vehicles or whatever. But, um, yeah, turns out this one's all-wheel drive, and you can go 353 miles without it, uh, the battery running out on you, um, and 0 to 60 in 3.1 seconds. So you got a fast car, and it looks sweet. I mean, look at that car. Let's say you have that car, and you work in Ames, but you live in Boone, but you go, you know what, I'm just going to walk to work every day. Oh, I need to go to the store? I'll just walk. Well, that might last for a week at best during the summer, Winter hits, you're not going to be walking, okay? And why would you? You got a, you got a 2021 all-wheel drive Model 3 Tesla. Use the car. See, God is right there, ready, willing, and more than happy to strengthen you. All we have to do is ask for it. It says in Scripture, it says in James, we don't have because we do not ask. See, we need to live like God actually is strong, not like we are. How else can we obey God? We can obey God by focusing in on his gospel. Verse 25, it says, according to my gospel, to the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. According to my gospel, he says, the gospel is the good news, the good news of Jesus Jesus' death in our place, the good news of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, bringing us new eternal life, the good news that salvation, that we have salvation from our sin. And it's ours. We're saved. The good news that there is now no condemnation for us who are in Christ, the good news that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This gospel is intended to be good news not just once, but all the time. It's not just good news once and then old news. See, this gospel is greater and greater. It should become greater and greater in our minds and in our hearts as we walk with him more and more. David Pryor said, we never move on from the cross, only into a more profound understanding of the cross. And reformer Martin Luther said this, I feel as if Jesus had died only yesterday. Whew. That's where we want to be. 
where we're just so moved by Jesus' sacrifice for us that we go, wow, that, it's like that just happened yesterday. It's so fresh to me that he did that for me and now is alive, living in me and is with me. The more great and beautiful the good news becomes to us, the more powerless and repulsive sin will become to us. Lastly, how can we obey? God's wisdom. Verse 27, it says, To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The only wise God. God's wisdom means God's ways are the best. Obedience to God doesn't just make sense to us. Why? Sometimes it doesn't make sense. We're like, what do I, I, I don't want to obey God. That, that doesn't, I don't get it. Why would I want to do that? Isaiah 55, 8 says, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Obedience is difficult to us so often because our judgment is clouded by sin. We need to remind ourselves that God's ways are, are not ours. It humbles us. It helps us obey even when it makes no sense to us at all. Even when our culture and our world is saying, hey, you know, no big deal. Okay, don't worry about it. That's it, whatever. It's not a big deal. Just move on. No, he calls us to obedience. My dad um, is a mechanic, and he tells me, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, to say the least, okay? Not that great with cars. I know how to change a tire. That's about where it ends. But my dad tells me that getting my oil changed in my vehicle regularly is a, is a good thing. So, I change the oil. I don't. I have someone else change the oil in my vehicle regularly. But I actually don't get it. The oil still looks good to me when they take it out. I don't, like, I, I don't understand functionally why you need to change oil in a vehicle. Maybe you guys can explain that to me later. But uh, I probably still won't get it because I don't understand a lot of the jargon. But um, I don't understand, but my dad told me it's good. So, I do it. I don't understand fully. And when it comes to obedience, see, God knows what's best, even when we don't get it. So sometimes we just need to obey, because he, he knows. He knows what's best for us. But we also obey God because it's, it's actually about him and his glory. It says that at the end. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's about his plan. It's about his glory, not my glory. He calls the shots in my life, not me. So, just in case you spaced out, here's the takeaway from this. The Roman church was known for their obedience. Let's be known for our obedience, and let's do it by keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes on Christ, not on the temptation, not on the sin. Yes, we need to think about it. Yes, we need to keep it in our peripheral, but as we're going through this journey of life that often is pretty rickety and tempting and difficult, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for giving us Jesus. That we're not on our own. That obedience isn't just something that we just muster up the strength and try, 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 try. No, we rely we come to you and just ask for help. So help us this week to just breathe in and breathe out prayers like help me, strengthen me, fill me, Jesus. 
And as we do that, as we keep our eyes on you and not so much on the temptation and the problems, that you would give us supernatural, superhuman strength to obey you like we never thought was possible in our lives, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen and amen.